0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Business Growth Show, where we talk about all components of business and how to utilize them for exponential growth. My name is Ethan Cassieris. I'm a business strategist where I help business owners grow and scale to create wealth and freedom. And today, I have an awesome guest. He's an entrepreneur, speaker, musician, thrill seeker, and one-of-a-kind finance consultant on a mission to shake the industry up as the director and principal advisor of Fenton Financial. He does this by empowering business owners with the skills, knowledge, and capabilities to take their personal and business finances by the balls. And he has six postgraduate qualifications, including a Master of Applied Finance, along with 20 plus years working in the financial markets. And he's won multiple awards and been featured in many publications. And he's raised over 1 billion USD in investment funds. And he's helped thousands of clients around the world with business, finance, and wealth management and he makes wealth simple for business owners and professionals. Welcome, Andy Fenton, and thank you for being on my show. Great to be here. Awesome, mate. I'm sure it's going to be a wonderful show for everyone watching and listening today. So you're a very successful entrepreneur. So for those people who don't know who you are, please introduce yourself by telling us about you and your journey.
1: Uh, Well, there's there's a long and short version. I'll give you the shortest uh, possible version. Uh, you know, as you're reading that out, I was kind of thinking, geez, you know, it it feels like uh, multiple lifetimes sometimes. But um, but, uh, my journey started really at at school as as an entrepreneur. The short story is that uh, uh, we had a charity drive once upon a time at at school and and I made little pikelets with uh, that fake cream on top of it with Smarties and sold them for 25 cents. And uh, that was for charity. And then I went out the next day, ran the store for the rest of the week and made another, I think it was 20 bucks or something like that. And then the teacher came and asked me about it. And, uh, and she's going, well, that's great. You're so enthusiastic about raising money for charity. That's amazing, Andy. And uh, and I was like, what charity? Hang on. No, this, this was all about raising money for me. So we met in the middle. I kept some, she kept some and, uh, and then it started an underground, um, lollies activity that, uh, providing sweets to the sweet tooth of the school. But, um, I guess that was, that was the intro into, into business at a young age. And I sort of learned about economies of scale and buying in bulk. And, um, it was a black market activity, but, uh, I guess a reasonably legal one. And, um, but then mate got into, I was a muso when I left school. It was my passion. I was very, uh, very much into jazz, funk, fusion music, those sorts of things. Uh, and that led to a, a pretty poor, uh, existence and when i mean poor i mean broke uh i um, i remember one day busking um on the streets trying to get fuel money uh just down the road in belgrave and um and uh, uh and also having to to hitchhike to a gig with a snare drum uh in order to actually play so kind of knew what it was like to be on the bones of my ass and and it was as simple as uh, coming having dinner with my old man and uh, he had a bottle of henchkey hill of grace on the table and a a lamb roast. And I'd eaten meat for, um, God knows, you know, probably 10 months, 12 months. And, uh, had a little bit of a cry at the table because my life wasn't necessarily going in the the right direction. And the old man just said, well, there's all of these brochures that I just happened to have ready about all of these different finance courses. Um, so mate, I did it because I figured, well, I'm broke as you can possibly be. Uh, I've really given it a red hot dip but um jazz music is not that popular in australia or certainly wasn't back then and uh and found a passion for exotic derivatives and uh and bonds and treasury operations uh so very quickly jumped into study and and i'd never stopped studying i studied and worked full-time then um in the finance sector until i was about 30. uh just tacked on a new degree because i wanted to learn about new things and um before you knew it i'd gone from macquarie out in australia to uh, bank of new york in london new york um, then came back to australia in funds management and then into distribution of funds management so kind of did every role from uh advising advisors back when i was young on investments through to mergers acquisitions um, created exotic derivatives uh, as well once upon a time that was fun working with all the propeller heads um but ultimately, you know, the investment banking was, was probably the the peak of the corporate career. And, uh, it was a bit of a soulless activity. Uh, you know, it didn't feel like you were contributing to the world in any meaningful way. Uh, and there were a number of things that happened in, in life that made me reflect on what I was doing, uh, including my wife passing away when I was 30. Uh, and that kind of gives you, um, it's it's an extraordinarily difficult thing to to live through, but it gives you a perspective on life, uh, and one of the great uh, lessons and things that you know you look for you look for the good in situations, no matter what they can be. And if there was anything good that came from the situation, it was that made me reflect on you know how I was spending my life, because you know for those people who can't be here, um, you know I think that my perspective is that. You know, it's our duty to live the best possible life that we can. Uh, And that wasn't in finance back then because uh, I felt like I was destroying things and making a lot of money for shareholders but not doing good for your average Joe. Um, And that led to the entrepreneur's career. I connected with a a bloke called Kerwin. Um, We did some work together. Um, We still do work together today. He's an amazing human being um taught me a lot about business at at the small business scale and um i started up a kite surfing tour company then had a marketing company um then got back into finance but helping small to medium business owners with the knowledge that i'd kind of gained at the the very highest levels um and i became quite passionate about helping small to medium business owners because uh well you're one i'm one uh I thought it would be easy in comparison to, you know, the investment banking and funds management game. Um, it's fucking not, it's, uh, it's tough. And, um, you know, got to know a lot of business owners that really struggled and had poured their blood, sweat, and tears into business, uh, over a lifetime and then had nothing to show for it. And then, you know, had contributed a lot to people, um, in salaries and, uh, and contributed a lot to the world. Uh, but, Ultimately, didn't reap the rewards of it, and I really wanted to come in and change that, and that's that's what we do now. We work with small to medium business owners. We uh, assist them in understanding structures, how the game of business works from a cash flow structure perspective, but then also how to take money off the table systematically over time to make sure that if the business fails um, or the business, you know you exit it at some point in time that you've got wealth that is commensurate of the kind of energy that you put into it over time. Um, and that's, that's what we do today. And that's what we're very proud to do today.
0: Yeah. Awesome, mate. What a story. Um, extremely powerful from those, uh, interesting, humble beginnings to, uh, what you've done and, uh, also make testament to yourself to, to where you are and what you're still creating to this day. And, um, you know, firstly, I'd like to ask you, you mentioned about, um, If I'd known you were going to ask the question, I probably would have tried to find one of the old hippie photos,
1: mate. I used to have hair down to here and it was peroxide blondes because somebody decided to dye it when we'd had a few drinks and I couldn't afford to, to, to do anything about it. So it was normal color to here and then peroxide blondes are there. It was, uh, yeah, I was a very, very different. I think I've been a few different people over the times of my life
0: yeah uh, i've been there as well andy i think when i was 18 years old we went through a craze where um, we had hairdressers as friends and we all grew our hair we had straighteners like you know ghd straighteners (laughs) having different colors in them and so i had a fringe and everything like that Um, i've lost a bit of that as you can tell now but um fun times while it lasted as well
1: (laughs) yeah mine's almost going back to the peroxide in the gray
0: way but uh Yeah, you
1: remember the days. It wasn't as bad as the 80s. Let's just say
0: that. (laughs) That's it. Love it, mate. Um, We can always look back and and have a bit of a laugh. So, um, you know, I think, you know, one of the big things you said there were about the challenges, right, that you came and a lot of business owners, you said, you know, have struggling and sometimes a lot of it can be around the way they think about things around, you know, finances and wealth, especially. So, you know, firstly, what are some, you know, misconceptions or, you know, limiting beliefs is, you know, a better way of putting it around world, which, you know, may be, um, impacting, right. Um, you know, business owners or people to grow their wealth and, and how, you know, what tips or how can you help, um, you know, with your clients to overcome that element as well. Huge question.
1: Like it's there's and there's multiple layers. So, you know, guide me with, with, with where you want to go with it, because it is, it's a huge question. Um, I think looking backwards, um, if we, if we go to the end of somebody's journey in business and we and we look at that stage and, and the lessons and the mistakes that a lot of people have made and still make today, um, you know, a lot of people kind of have their business and they believe that it's an asset. And so they believe that if they run it their whole life, then they'll be able to sell it for something considerable. And a lot of people go, you know, my business is my super. Bullshit. It's an absolute flawed belief. Um, it's not. Uh, and if it is, you know, if it's going to be your super, then I think it's important for people to understand the statistics. Um, now do you want me to share them or not? Because it might, it might freak a few people out. Um, it,
0: sure everyone needs to know the true reality of the situation.
1: Well, so out of 28 million firms that start up a year, um, now the Australian statistics are really close to this. These are the American statistics, but the statistics are very, very close. It's just America is a much larger sample set um but the the percentages are still pretty much there so out of 28 million firms in the US every single year um there's only 4% of those firms that actually make it over a million dollars right now 0.4% of them make it over 10 uh 10 million um and then the the numbers get very very scarce you know uh, above above about 20 so if you're a betting person, they're not the kind of odds that you want, right? You're not going to go to a racetrack and drop a thousand dollars on that, unless you've got multiple thousands of dollars to lose that day at the racetrack, uh, on those kind of odds, or unless you're drunk, uh, I guess, but, um, but ultimately like they're not good odds. And so business owners kind of need to understand first that business is a challenging sport. It's a brutal sport. It's a blood sport. Um, it takes no prisoners and nobody gives a shit about you, unfortunately. Um, but you have to give a shit about everybody around you. So it's tough. I guess that's kind of my my, my rub. And um, so if you use that statistic and you go, well, my business is going to be my super, then on the statistics side of the equation, you've got 4% chance of being able to convert that or 0.4% chance. Uh, so statistically not a smart investment, if that makes sense. And I'm, I love the numbers and everyone says, no, that's not me. Um, but the statistics don't lie right now. If people are listening to this, then they're more likely to be part of the 4% and the 0.4%. Uh, because the other reality is that very few business owners actually spend time on education, uh, and it's so critically important because ultimately, in business and I think Jocko Willick said it best everything's your fault like you don't get to pass the buck to anyone if the ATO comes knocking you can't say oh my bookkeeper messed it up sorry um no the ATO go I don't care like give me the money um and you know employees if you don't have enough money to pay them in the in the bank account at the end of the month do you think that they're going to go oh no don't worry about it just make it up next month no like the buck stops with you ultimately so, you know, understanding that, you know, you're ultimately responsible for everything in the game, it means that you need to educate yourself and you need to, one of the, the biggest limiting factors that business owners face, um, and I kind of laugh, but I don't laugh at people. It's just, it's sort of comical in, in a way, but it's also quite sad, uh, is that business owners quite often succeed by luck because they've got a great product or they're just determined and they're just, you know, they wade through seas of shit and mud and come out the other side still smiling and, uh, and then have their friends go, geez, it would be nice to be in your position. And you're kind of like, do you know what I've just been through in the last month? Um, and they have no idea on their metrics and their numbers. Uh, and they, they say, and more often than not, you've probably heard it yourself. I'm just not a numbers person. And you gotta be like a hundred percent. You gotta know your numbers in business. Like you need to know your cash flow, you need to know your tax, you need to forecast, you need to educate yourself so that you can protect yourself against bookkeepers, accountants, and you know, advisors out there because they're there to help you. But quite often, if you've got an accountant, an advisor, a mortgage broker, then they may take you in different directions with different strategies because if they're not communicating with each other they're expecting you to manage and master your strategy. And if you don't know how to do that, then it can be a very, very fast path to not having any money and, and taking some people down with you along the way. Because the other thing in business is that we can, we can you know really hurt people on the way through. Uh, so business owners, no matter who you are, if you want to succeed in it, you got to start to learn to love your numbers. And and then ultimately, once you understand the numbers, then it's a conversation about, well, how do you grow, scale, and how do you then take money off the table and turn that money into assets and wealth for you personally so that you don't end up with a business that's earning revenue that you can't sell but you can't or you don't have the energy to manage anymore. Does that make sense?
0: It's a big question,
1: so it's a big answer
0: definitely mate it was a very powerful answer and i love the way you yeah frame that and uh, you're right it's so powerful and um this is for the the right brain people especially which are not necessarily the logical people you, you got to learn it uh, and you can and i'll just add that my you know i'm more left brain with the numbers my wife isn't but I, I you know taught my wife how to learn the numbers and now she loves them to an extent lo- knows them enough well enough to help her you know within a business so anyone can do it um you know i'll just confirm that like it, it's it's basic <laughs>
1: math Right? it's really basic it's add and subtract uh it's just the sequence and order that this happens and the challenge is and I, I actually think that it's an epigenetic um coding uh and for those who don't understand epigenetics the, the quick uh, framing around it is that a woman is born with all of the eggs that she will ever produce in her lifetime and so those eggs are stored with the DNA of her mother because she was in her mother's womb as those eggs were being you know developed within the body so we also understand that within dna and within the cells there's actually coding and that coding uh, and that neural tissue actually brings down past experiences brings down um past thoughts traits habits um so on and so forth now there's different schools of thoughts on on this as well and probably have some people going that's garbage and some people going it's 100 right choose whatever you want to believe uh, but look at your family and, and see how consistent People turn out to be what they say they never will. Um, but ultimately, when it comes to finance, you know, legal structures, uh, money structures, tax, especially for us, like we're based on the Anglo system, right? So these back in the day of King Henry and uh, and the taxes and the laws that were brought in uh, into play were there to intimidate and keep people poor and keep make the rich rich. Um, and they were, they were specifically designed to be complex enough and uh, so that only a few people really understood them. And so then if you look at that, that lineage of knowledge over over time, numbers are scary. Tax is scary. Because what happens when you don't pay your taxes? Well, you get your head cut off. Um, now, that sort of coding, and, and I'm, I'm being profound for, for effect, but there's a lot of truth to it right? And some people who will be listening to this will already be feeling it. And I'm like, oh my God, that feels exactly like that. Now, whenever the tax bill comes around, it feels like I've had my head chopped off. Um, but we have that that coding in us, which means that we're already pre-wired to be scared of it, pre-wired to to, to potentially move away from it and believe that it's complex. Um, but it's actually not. Like legal documents now are written in plain English. If you can read a book then you can read your trust deed, right? Um, and if it's not, get a different one. Like literally plain English. Go to Clear Docs, have a look at it. One of the first things that it says is written in plain English so people can understand it. So if you've got a trust deed that says, you know, alpha for out thou or whatever, and it looks like a Shakespearean playwright, get a different one. Like get something that you can understand and then spend the time to read it. Like it's not a Dan Brown novel, right? It's not, but just take the chance and take the time to read the documents that you have so that you, you know, you understand the rules by which you're playing. Uh, But most business owners stick their head in the sand. And so from an accounting perspective, then we've got all of this jargon, but ultimately if you can just condense it down and simplify how we think about it, as far as, you know, money in money out money left over, that has taxable proportions, you know persons pay part of it is what they get part of it is what we pay tax on part of it is super you know um, liabilities so it's about reframing you know the context and not leaving accounting meetings going i have no idea what fucking happened and most like i reckon eighty percent of the people listening if not a hundred percent when if i ask the question have you left a meeting with your accountant and you've thought, I have absolutely no idea what happened, but I just didn't want to sound like an idiot? Well, you're an idiot for for not asking further questions because ultimately that's what you got to understand in order to master the business game. And you do. And if you think that somebody else is going to come and save you, you're wrong. It's just not going to happen. You've yeah. got to do the work.
0: Yeah, I love that, Andy. And, um, you know, just to get people from my perspective, right, like I've done an MBA, so I've, I've got a bit more knowledge around that time. And when I go in to see my accountant, I actually have my strategy in mind saying, hey, I'm thinking about doing A, B, C, D, E. What are your thoughts around that? I'm preempting this and I'm asking additional questions to understand more about the accounting process. And the more questions I ask the more my knowledge gets bigger. So it's a very high level conversation when I go into those. So that's the lens that I'd be recommending. Like what Andy's saying is be curious, like ask more questions so you understand it. And especially like you mentioned there, Andy, about the, the structures, right? Because I think financial structures is a big one for people. You know, we've got, you know, sole traders, a lot of risk in that to companies to trust, right? And then you've got um, other areas, not just for business structures, but then, you know, structures for, for wealth creation, um, you know, as well with, with our family. So, um, do you want to just touch on a bit about structures? Cause you touched on it a little bit there more about some tips or things that people should know and think about or look into so that they structure, um, their business and their investments, you know, better correctly.
1: Yeah. Another massive question. I mean, any of these questions we could spend a couple of hours on, um, <laughs> and, and sort of do, but uh, just to go back to the accounting one, there's a, there's a much simpler question that you can ask the accountant when you don't understand something, and it's simply why is that? And just keep just keep going, why is that? Why is that? Why is that? Until you get to a level of understanding, uh, because a lot of people who are probably watching this don't have an MBA. Like I do have multiple masters, but but I'm dyslexic as well, um, and it takes it took me a huge amount of time to get through that. When it goes in, it goes in but I'm not naturally, um, intellectual type of a personality. It, it was, you know, hard fought. I just happened to love certain parts of it, uh, which helped me, you know, focus. Um, but just asking the question, why is, is super, super powerful and just don't leave until you understand it. And, and if you don't go to somebody else, find a new accountant, find a new bookkeeper who can communicate with you. Cause the other thing is like, did you marry the first person that you ever dated? No. Mm-hmm. No, how many of you on this call, um, or in this podcast, uh, you know, married the first accountant that you dated, um, or the first advisor, right? It's, it's, we should find the right fit because ultimately this is going to be a marriage for a a long time. Anyway, I'll get off that soapbox, uh, and onto a different one, uh, structures, huge question. Um, and we kind of could go anywhere with regards to it. I think most people really need to understand again their structures which means read the deed and read the constitution uh it's not fun it's not scintillating reading but you know what it's the rule book by which you play the game uh i think that for most people uh once they get over once they know that their business trajectory is going to be uh is going to be growing in in the right direction then at bare minimum you should be operating as a company Uh, If you don't, if you operate as a sole trader uh, or as, you know, as a partnership as sole traders, then it's like you're naked out in the middle of the, the Amazon, right? Like everything can kill you and will wipe you out. Uh, You're just way too exposed. Uh, And it's a really dangerous game to play, not just for you, but for, for your team. Because here's the thing is as people... And i know that everyone likes to think that they're a unique flower um, but you're not in this game everybody is exactly the same and as far as people are concerned we're structures like if you look at the game that we play uh, and those people who dive down the you know the constitutional conspiracy theories and stuff like that will be going i know what you're talking about i'm not actually talking about that but it's kind of in line with it but we are a structure we we can sue we can be sued and we can pay tax. Um, and that's the right that we get as a structure. So me, Andy Fenton, I am like a, a, a financial structure. I am like a company, right? I have attributes of a, of a financial structure and that's how we operate. So, you know, we're not unique flowers, We are uh, we are structures. So we can be sued, we can sue, and we can pay tax. That's the benefit that we get through being a structure. So the way that we can protect ourselves is by putting a wrapper over the top of us. Sorry, mate, give me two secs. All
0: well, good, mate. Do what the you got to do.
1: Just went nuts on my computer. <laughs> uh, so as as structures, the structures go. You know, you've got companies, you've got trusts, you've got trading trusts, and with business the best advice that i can give somebody when it comes to structures is start with the end in mind so even if the destination at the end is significantly different to to what you thought it was at the beginning if you start with the journey in mind you will most likely put yourself into a better structure Uh, and what i mean by that is you know if you don't have a family Right now but you will likely have a family into the future and that's something that's on the cards then you may want to think about not just having a company so a proprietary limited company to trade out of you might want to think of getting the trust to own the shares of that company straight away right mostly because you want to then protect or add a further layer of protection for your family for your future family hell if you have kids that are going to start to get through to their adult years, then there's distributions that you can potentially make. If you've got the Brady bunch, then it's even more, um, it's even more beneficial to have, you know, the structure in place because you can minimize your tax further. Um, if you want to get into the specifics of it, we can get quite specific here. I think the biggest challenge when it comes to structures is your average accountant doesn't understand them well. Uh, Your average lawyer doesn't understand how to implement them into business. And it's probably one of the most tricky things to navigate when you're starting out in business. The challenge is that if you mismanage it when you're starting out, it causes problems down the track. So it's good to chat with business owners about it. And if you don't have the right connections, then you've really got to spend some time understanding the foundational structures and the core ones to understand is a proprietary limited company um, and a discretionary trust which is often called you know a family trust and if you can learn how those two vehicles operate at a reasonable level you'll be light years in front of other people because these are structures are ultimately the game that you play down the track so once you've made your first million you're going into you know two three four and you're starting to be able to generate some real revenue and for most businesses you know once it's a hard slog to a million bucks right it's a hard slog and unless you've got a business that has very low overheads uh right most businesses ebit so your your net profit so income minus the expenses to produce the product minus the expenses to keep the lights on and the rent and the salaries paid once you take all that into consideration you know, a 20 to 30% uh, net profit is very, very good, right? So on a million dollars, that's, you know, 300,000. Now you've got to leave 100,000 of that in the business. So if you're earning a million dollars, then potentially you could take 200,000 off the table, right? But if you want to scale, you've got to keep reinvesting. So to get to a million is quite challenging. And there's, for most businesses, there's not a lot left over you reach the economy of scale around a million, two million, depending on the business, right? Um, But once you start to generate those types of um, incomes, you need to be able to funnel them through structures to minimize your tax. And we call it the game of 30. And so at any point in time, if you're paying more than 30% tax in a single entity, being yourself, right? And at the moment, 180,000 works out to be about 30%. Tax. So if you, yes, you'll be paying 42 and a half, se- uh, sorry, 42% on, uh, on the top range. But if you average that tax rate across your whole salary, it's 30, All right? If it's a non-trading company, it's 30. If it's a trading company, it's 25%. If it's superannuation, it's 15. And so I kind of draw a, a triangle whenever I'm sitting down with my accountant and it's like, okay, so there's personal, there's super and there's business structures or companies, right? Where are we distributing and how much is going where? And we play the game of 30. And at any point in time, if if one of those structures is breaching 30, which is ultimately it's going to be distribute uh, distributions to you personally, well, we go, okay, well, do we want to pay that extra tax? And if we do, what's the reason for us paying that extra tax? And if there's no reason, then we'll funnel that back into a lower tax entity right and then you can start to look at wealth creation strategies with those entities with yourself um and now we're sort of getting into the you know the the wealth planning side of it and the cash flow management side of it um, which then goes into one of the next big mistakes that business owners make and not sure if you're going there but um one of the biggest mistakes big business owners make is that as they start to accumulate more money and they start to become more successful, they have more successful cars and they have more successful bottles of wine and they have more dinners out and they go to more exotic destinations. Now, great, it's good to have reward, but understand that the money that you take off the table today is robbing you from the future that you potentially want tomorrow. Now, if you're a carpe diem type of person, seize the day and you don't care about the future, then you know potentially wealth creation is something that's just going to happen by chance. And if you don't get there, well, you just have to wear the ramifications. But um ultimately, you know, when people start to play this game, it's wise to systematically take it off the table. And even if it's like, well, half the dinners and the other half goes into investment, but I'm kind of banging on a different drum.
0: Yeah. Awesome, mate. Uh, that was really powerful um on what you shared there yeah. on the structures. So <clears throat> excuse me. And I think um yeah speak to find the right people that understand this as andy said and and speak to other people and and then um get them organized so you can do that i love that um let's let's go a little bit more specifically about business here because i know you got a lot of knowledge around this area so if you're looking at a business um how do you determine like the financial health of the business and if we get a bit more specific what are some of the key metrics that you choose to make sure that, you know, that business is being successful and, and driving, you know, uh, that wealth strategy.
1: Uh, you meaning from a consulting perspective. So coming in mm-hmm. and saying, okay, you know, how healthy is the business? Say I'm coming to you and I'm looking at your business or are you just saying if I'm looking at profit and losses in isolation of the conversation?
0: Yeah, I would say a little bit of both going into the business first, which then, then goes into the the bigger aspect later.
1: Right. Well, the first is the conversation with the person. Uh, And so the the financial health will, will be dictated by luck. um, If, if this first part goes wrong and it would be typically like, uh, so how often do you look at your financials that would be the first question i'd
0: ask um, and you would say yeah whatever like if, if some people might say monthly some people might say weekly right there yeah. or if they, they might say like rarely every quarter or something
1: right? so if they say rarely and most people say uh i look at my financials at, at, at tax time once a year Right. So, and and not only is it once a year, it's when you can't do anything about it because it's after thirty June when most people look at their financial statements, and that's historical. That's talking about the year that was. You can't do anything. Um, so, typically, if somebody says that to me, I go, "Okay, the financials are in bad shape." Um, so there's probably a lot of people listening to this going, "Shit, we're in bad shape," and and so that means you succeed by luck, right? Luck and determination and um, but mostly just luck and determination, right? And that's fine. Uh, So the next layer is for people, what you want to be getting people to is I want to, you you want to be looking at your numbers every single month, right? And for some people, they should be looking at it every single week uh, at a minimum every single month. And what you should be looking at is your your profit and loss and your balance sheet as as the key items. Uh, But ultimately, you know, what I get business owners to do if, they don't know their numbers well is i get them to actually put every single income and every single expense into a spreadsheet and this is the best way to learn how the game operates a few different reasons behind it uh is firstly you feel every expense so when you're going through your statements and i've done it many times myself whenever our business gets a little bit out of whack for whatever reason i'm like oh, okay it just doesn't feel right i the I should, I feel like we should be, we should be more profitable than what we are. I'll always go back. And for three months, I'll literally do it every single expense, which is a nightmare. It's not fun. Literally sit there with bank statements, printing them out, go through every single line item, rule through it, put it on the spreadsheet where it needs to be. Typically, when we do that, we end up cutting our expenses by about 20% because we find shit in there that shouldn't be there. And it's just, it's a direct debit that's been there for, and it's just been there forever in a day of a software that you don't use or whatever the case may be. But then you actually feel every expense. And that's kind of important because in a, you know, in a society now where, gosh, we don't even have to tap these things anymore. Like we, we don't even have to tap these cards anymore. Um, we can tap our watches. So our relationship with money is, is very, very different. Like it used to be, you know, you'd somebody would come along and go, all right, so how much do you need? All right. And you'd count through your your cash and you'd hand it over and you'd hand over one of these, you'd hand over a 50. And then somebody would give you back this and immediately by the different color, the different size of the notes, you, you understand the concept of exchange, right? And that's why I always keep money in my wallet is, is not because it really ever gets spent, but it's kind of like a reminder to me about the value of, of what we're, you know, tapping away. um. So our relationship with the transaction is more distant than ever because we just go bang, bang on our watch, tap, go. Most people, well, I watch it all the time, mate. People don't even look at the receipts. It's like, and it, like, watch this at a, at a petrol station or just anywhere at the tennis or at the cricket or at the football, you watch. People just go bang, don't even look and go. Now they could have been charged for four more drinks than, than they bought, they could have been charged for an extra pie, whatever the case might be. That's our relationship with money now. Like that's, whereas previously you'd hand over a 50, you'd get your change back and you'd quickly count it. You remember that? Yeah. you know, you'd get it back, you'd look at the coins in your hand and you'd do quick math on, on what was left. So understanding that we've got this very tap and go transactional kind of mindset to money these days um, means that feeling the transactions as a business owner is, is really important because you then start to go, well, is this expense necessary? Um, but it also teaches you how a profit and loss works, right? Because you go through that and you, you enter in all of your income. It's like, yeah, the income's in, then you put your cost of goods in. It's like, Ooh, then you put your expenses in, you're like, oh. and then you, you, you're looking at the bottom and you're going, well, hang on at the bottom of this, it says, you know, uh, $10,000, but there's only $2,000 in my bank account. What like, what's the difference? And that teaches you the relationship of the profit and loss to the balance sheet Um, and so that's where we look to understand where a business is actually traveling you've got to make sure that the numbers are right going in and so doing that at least helps you know that the numbers are right and gives you a feel for where the business sits and ultimately whether you're a bookkeeper an accountant are actually doing a reasonable job and not fudging the numbers and i don't mean intentionally i mean just unintentionally through you know, poor management. Um, so looking at the the profit and loss, and typically with businesses, I want to see minimum of 8% EBIT or more. And then we ask the question, well, what are you drawing from your business personally? What are you living on? And it's another big question that most business owners can't, can cannot answer. And it's like, well, ha- well ha- I just tap it and go. Yeah, I know you do, but how much does it cost for you to live? And most people don't know that. Right? And because what they don't do is they don't take money systematically off the table for themselves as a wage. Now, when I say wage, I don't necessarily mean it has to be a salary that is registered as a salary. It could be drawings, it could be um, distributions, it could be dividends, right? But systematically taking money off the table every single week so that your lifestyle exists within the amount that you give it. And I've got a, an expression that is money is a gas or money's like a gas. It expands to f- fill the room that it's given, right? And, and it's typical. You do this I, and I I do it with me and I, I it happens all the time, right? I have one account and it just siphons off X amount of dollars per week, right? And it's only small. It's like $50, right? Now that's that sort of cash account and I can do whatever the hell I want with it. And I forget about it because I don't spend a lot of money. And it just, and it goes, and then I'll look at it I go, oh my god, there's like $500 in there. Do you know what happens to it? It vanishes. Yeah. Like overnight it's just gone, and I'll look at it a couple of weeks later like, "Jesus, that just disappeared. Where did it go?" And it's on nothing. Like it's really on nothing. Um so it tells us a little bit about our psychology to to seeing these things. So paying yourself a, a reasonable wage is so critically important because at least it defines how much you need to live. Uh and then helps you to operate within that within that bounds it puts some container around that gas so it means that you're confining it you're putting some boundaries around it and money loves structure and boundaries and uh, so once you start doing that then you stop robbing from the business so it's a long-winded way of saying the next area of the balance sheet uh, sorry the profit and loss that i look for which is actually on the balance sheet is then director's drawings Uh, so drawings are the things that when you go and use your work credit card and you tap it at view Monde, or you go to the opera house, that's in the background there, or you buy a ticket on the queen Mary and go for a a pleasure cruise. That money is not uh, a tax deduction so that you're spending the company's money. And later on the accountants will figure out how much tax you need to pay on that. Um, and that is really crucial mistake that business owners make because then you play this game that snowballs and it's a game of catch up because more money, as you become more successful, more trips, more tapping of the card, which means that you're spending more, your lifestyle becomes more grand as far as the money that you, you spend on it. And you're constantly paying catch up on the tax that you have already realized in the, in the year that you've spent it, but you don't pay it until the following year. So, Building some boundaries, that's the second area I'll look. So i go on the profit and loss, where's your salary? Where's your wage? Where's the the money that you take off the table uh, first for your lifestyle? And if that doesn't exist, that tells me that the health of the the business is potentially shaky, right? And they're going to be playing this game of catch up. Uh, and typically I go, what car did you drive when you started the business? Okay, how much money were you making when you started the business? What car do you drive now? uh and that the answer to that question nine times out of ten tells me their relationship with money
0: yeah awesome mate i love that very powerful um instinct you know and how to review those that was uh, i'm sure everybody hopefully has noted that and you know written notes because what andy just shared with us was was really powerful about your understanding of money and, and the differences between the profit and loss and the balance sheet and and um yeah how you can grow the business i love that mate and it's been a it's been a very value-packed session um, today. Um, it's been really powerful. And um, as we're wrapping up today, I'd love to ask you just um, what's one key piece of advice would you like to give to all of the entrepreneurs watching and listening today? Oh, one. It might be hard, just a big one, right? Um, whatever it play, comes.
1: Play the game like everything's your fault. Right. And understand that the buck stops with you with everything. Uh, And ultimately, that numbers are the lifeblood of your business. Cash flow numbers are the lifeblood of your business. And they're controlled by your profit and loss, your balance sheet, and your cash flow statement. And they operate within your structures. So, if you want to attract more money, learn about your financial statements and structures. It mightn't be the most tasty course that you taste at a restaurant. Um, but over a lifetime, that knowledge will will pay dividends far more and, and protect you far more than any other piece of advice I can give you. Uh, I know that it's shit because it's like you, go and have to, you have to go and do the work and you're potentially having, having to learn about stuff that you've got a historical epigenetic coding that, that is driving you away from it. But if you know that everything is your fault and the buck stops with you, um, then hopefully that'll inspire you to learn about structures, learn about your statements and uh, and how to manage them. and if you can do that, you'll become what we call in some of our business operations, which is uh, weapons of wealth. Uh, and I re- I reckon everyone should go back and watch Kerry Packer's House of Reps inquiry of 1991 uh, because what he said back then is still true today. Uh, and ultimately if you if you watch that, if you learn about your structures you learn about your financials then you'll follow the rule and one of my favorite sayings that he says is um i'm not minimizing i'm not avoiding tax i'm minimizing tax and every australian should minimize their tax and if they don't they need their head red because quite frankly as a government you don't spend it that wisely that we should be donating extra Um, so don't donate any extra
0: Yeah, love it, mate. Great, great knowledge there and um, extra tips that everyone should be following. And yeah, we connected through our networks where I, I learned about your awesome journey from you know initially being an investment advisor to now being the managing director of Fenton Financial. Um, you're an awesome guy, very genuine, uh, and I'm sure you'll continue to make uh, you know wealth simple for business owners and professionals. And I'm very grateful that we connected and I look forward to working with you. So Andy, how can uh, people find you and get in contact with you? Uh, mate, just seek us out
1: fenton financial come and have a look at the facebook page we're always dropping uh we do wealth wine and wisdom every friday night uh where myself and a good colleague of mine uh who's very is probably the, the the foremost property expert that i've known and and makes more of the right predictions than i've ever seen before he's like the opposite of an economist um he actually makes predictions that come true, which is quite incredible. So, uh, come and hang out with us, you know, wealth, wine, and wisdom on a Friday night. And just that's through, uh, Fenton financial, um, Facebook page and yeah, mate, uh, and feel free to, to reach out through any of the mechanisms where you can find us anywhere on the world wide web these days. So, um, yeah, don't be afraid to reach out.
0: Yeah, awesome, guys. Definitely check out um, Andy Fender Financial and uh, yeah, all of those series that he's doing is providing huge amounts of value outside of this podcast, which is also done today. And and I want to thank everybody for watching and listening to this show where we talk about everything on business growth. And please like, subscribe and leave us a five-star review. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as Athen Cassiotis, So visit my website, athencassiotis.com. And if you want to grow and scale your business, <clears throat> you can reach out to me on any platform to see if we're a good fit. And I completely agree with you, or do I? The only way we know is if you tune in next time. And when my throat gets better, we'll get a bit better then as well. And, And until next time, remember that our business grows when we learn skills and take action using them in spite of fear. So remember to design your growth and results.